madness imprisoning me. All that I see, unprinted minis. I cannot live. I cannot die on the podcast known as Trapped Under Plastic. The podcast where we discuss the route to suit painting a cute boot. Okay. <laughs> My fucking screen dimmed, and I, like, I but I was in the rhythm, and I couldn't not stop. No. And so I had a uh, 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 absolute horror. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, uh, Alex, don't cut any of this. This is supposed to happen. This is supposed to happen. Trapped Under Plastic, the podcast where we discuss the route to suit painting a cute boot and things that shoot, all while ensuring your poop shoot is clean as a flute toot. I think that was a that was a throwback to the uh, the colonoscopy episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you poop shoot. Dude, that dark dark time. Uh, I don't want to go back there ever again. I want to go back. Oh shit! Speaking of which, uh, yeah, you're coming up there, bud. Oh, but I'm 49. I got a doctor's appointment coming up, but he's gonna be like, oh. time. He just like brings out. He brings Mister Ninas. <laughs> Let me see your asshole, son. <laughs> he brings out one of those little things that a submarine has. Is like boop, 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 comes out of the a water. Fucking periscope. <laughs> it's just it's a little periscope. He's like, well, we might as well just do it as long as we're here. I'm like, okay. It's like that fucking monster in like the Star Wars movie and the trash thing. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> just pops out. Yeah, in in this analogy, the Star Wars trash compactor <laughs> is my butt. Yeah, it's, the, it's, it's it's my rectum it's inside my body. Uh, hey, this, this couch is pretty nice. I think, I think I'm gonna take this couch. Uh, that is brought to us by Josh Josh Raptor. He brought to us the uh, toot flute, uh, the poop shoot, the things that shoot. And uh, uh, zoot suit, and the zoot suit, and the cute boot. Yeah, and the intro was broken to us, brought to us by uh, Metallica's one. <laughs> Shout out to and justice for all. I think that is uh, an album that doesn't get a lot of love. Oh, it's probably my favorite Metallica album. I think if it wasn't for like just there being literally no bass at all in the mix, Rip Jason Newstead, mm. it would be my favorite as well. Because like they have such heavy bangers on that album, like yes. Dyer's Eve. And short of straw and all yes. that shit, it's amazing. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if I like, if I get into like, we're getting in to go to Adepticon, we're getting the old truck, and just gonna throw in one CD and just listen all the way through while we're just getting all hyped and talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's probably the my first go to. Yeah, it's just like there's no there's no misses. No. Yeah, there really isn't. All right, on to the preamble ramble. I uh, I went to Wisconsin for a wedding, okay, and I was in Milwaukee eating at a Asian restaurant, and someone was there celebrating their anniversary, who recognized me from my channel, and they were super nice. We had a short conversation. I unfortunately cannot remember their name, which I'm sorry for, but we were we were sitting in the restaurant waiting to leave, and the waiter was not coming to us to like give us a check, and we're like, hey, can we have the check? And they're like, oh, your your friends paid for you, and we're like, what? And it was those people we talked with. They paid wow. for our dinner. They just, they just dipped. They didn't say anything. Like dined and dashed? Yeah, dude. That was so nice. I uh, mean, usually it should be the other way around. They said <laughs> that you paid for theirs, and then they left. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Sucker! <laughs> so, yeah, that was super nice. If you're listening to the uh, podcast episode, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Amber Amber was so happy about that. She was talking about it for the rest of the day. Oh, she was like, right. she's like, she felt like. Things like that never happens, uh, and so she was just really, uh, really enjoying that. It was cool. And so you know, then as she's talking about that, in the, you know, in in the evening, you're like, "See, honey, 
I, I do have value. <laughs> yeah, it does pay. <laughs> Look at what I bring to this marriage. Free yes. Rangoons. <laughs> <laughs> the Rangoons, dude. I need them cream chills, cream cheese filled deep fried goodness. Oh man, is there? That's probably. It's for sure in the, my top ten favorite foods. Like it's, it's really yeah, dude. Crab Rangoons. I think it's too one dimensional. I think it's just, I mean, it's so much fucking cream cheese. Oh, but if if the if the you know the the pastry is is just right and crispy, not overdone, not gooey yeah. in the center. If there's like carrot and like green onion and like maybe like some bits of like some kind of protein, then I'm on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need the scallions in there. Oh yeah, fresh scallion chopped Ooh. up. Yeah, and then especially if they have their own like house made, um, not just that that neon like, um, uh, you know fallout 76 kind of bright red sauce but like they make their own <laughs> with a little bit of chili in there yeah yeah a little chili crisp oh baby mm-hmm. like dude, a little exo how, sauce. how is that not top 10 like i'm not saying like it's number three but i'm like it's in there right on the edge of like maybe nine maybe 10 mm. maybe 12 maybe 13 i need to think about what is in the top 10 before i can put crab rangoons in there all right future episode podcast we talk about <laughs> top 10 favorite foods <laughs> all right yes <laughs> I'm glad we had this conversation. This is a food podcast now. All right, what's your what's your deal? Uh, what what's am a, I talking what's about? A ramble. <laughs> I don't even remember. Your ramble is that you saw Cabinet Curiosities, bro. Have you watched? I've been watching a different show. Okay, so it's like you you said you've been sick this week. I assume I have. You, yes, you got a little intake of uh, of media. Yes, I have. I watched a fuckload of Dota, but uh, I watched the Rings of Power show. I finished that. Did you? So I would love to talk about it for like maybe five minutes, but why don't you talk about the Cabinet of Curiosities first? Okay, so I, I started Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, which is a show on Netflix, a multi-part series. However, it is much like Black Mirror or like um, obviously Twilight Zone um, before it in that each 45-minute episode is its own individual story by different directors it's an anthology um i've only watched the first two episodes and it's so fucking good it's so good it's right up my alley where it is creepy it is not i wouldn't consider it horror but like thriller suspense is like of a general theme that's going through it and it's kind of like building of something ominous is going to happen would amber watch it you think she's like not a huge fan of scary faces and like horror at all i i i think so because the first episode is very reminiscent of, I guess the best way to draw parallels, almost like Green Green Mile. Have you ever seen Green Mile with Tom Hanks? Oh, I don't think I actually have. Oh, God, that movie is fucking phenomenal. Which is based on a Stephen King story. I always confuse it with the Eminem movie. Which, Eight Mile? Eight Mile, yeah. Ding, 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 I've seen that. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, now I think I've seen Green Mile. Now that, now, now you're mentioning it. Arms are heavy. Mom's spaghetti. Yes. Vomit on his sweater already. Okay, now we're just jumping back and forth. <laughs> okay. Now I just want to sing Eminem for the rest of the episode. Um, damn, yes. Okay, yes. Watch the first episode. You'll know. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything about it. The second episode is about rats. Um, that's all I'm going to say. It's about rats. Now, we go to PPs of the Nation. Every time we get to the cold part of the, the year here in Minnesota. It's snowing to, like a motherfucker. Yeah, bro. fuck this snow, bro. Dude, what the hell? It's November, dude. It's all been right. snowing all week. Yeah, it's insane. Anyways. <clears throat> so once we get to about October... Um, it starts getting cold out here. And when that happens, the woodland creatures uh, of the wild are trying to figure out their ways of survival for the winter. 
Um, this is typically the time when if I'm going to get mice in my house, it's going to be October, November, because they're trying to find a way to the warmth, find some kind of a crack or a little hole or some way to get in your house. They will. So in October, uh, in traps in my basement, I had caught a total of five mouse mice, mouses, mice. Anyway, I, I um, there was one down in my uh, working area, uh, which I my dog he was like sniffing over or something. I'm like, what do you have over there? And he sticks his head up and there's some mouse oh. in the middle of my floor. And it, if for no other reason, the greatest use of a Warhammer 40K 9th edition rule book is to absolutely decimate a mouse. Was it alive? Oh, it was alive. And my you- dog was just sniffing it, like at his whole face. He smells by touching his whole head to whatever he's smelling. Yeah. So he just gets up and it was just like it was like a it was like a curtain. It was like a magician it was like revealed the curtain, which was all his wrinkles on his face. Yeah. And poof, there was a mouse there. Okay. And I just fucking boofed him. Dunst. Okay. How would the mice not mouse not run away? I mean, he was kinda little. I think he was he was confused. He may have gotten bopped. Sometimes my dog will like step on a thing too. Okay, he was kind of dazed and confused. Yeah, he was concussed slightly. And then you just crushed him with a tome of a book. I just smashed him. I hit it, hit him really hard because I have really hot, thick carpet and, and down in my basement. Oh, okay. So it's like he, when I hit him and, and I immediately brought the book back up, he bounced like a trampoline. Oh, no. He was like, bam. And then he got up and he just, poof. And he was just like, he was obviously dead. So anyway, I, I've had five in October. All uh, slain with the 40k rule book. <laughs> yes, like, yeah, it is the. It, it's like my version of the power sword. <laughs> I need to like like duct tape uh, like a like a, a saw blade to the side, then I can turn it into a uh, you know a chain sword. <laughs> wow, wow, they come in a cut, then a smash. It's like called this. the rat slayer. <laughs> yes. So I've had these issues with mice lately. I did find in the the line where my AC unit comes into the side of my house. I had cocked that about five years ago. Um, there was little, there was a hole about the size of a dime. I'm like, these motherfuckers chewed through that and got in, mm. recocked that. Good news, everybody, for the last month, knock on wood, no mice. However, this was still fresh in my brain, these yes. mice. I don't hate mice. I certainly don't like them. Mm. Something about rodents, their little beady eyes, yeah. and they're just disease-carrying bastards. Um, so I watched the rat episode. Yeah. Anyways, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> I watched the rat episode, which is creepy crawly as fuck. It, it's amazing. That night, I had the most vivid horror mice in my basement dreams ever. Like They were like, the the ceiling, I looked up and the ceiling was like, cracking a little bit and i was like what is that and then the whole ceiling breaks it breaks under the weight of a thousand mice falling onto my head over the painting area they're landing on my desk they're landing on me it was it was intense what you don't know about the podcast at the moment john is that amber is editing it it's just that Alex has more bandwidth to finish the courses to the kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. and you'd basically just destroyed any opportunity i'd ever have of watching this show with my wife that's just the thing is because each one's different there's only one episode about rodents as far as i know it's all too much of a risk watch amber watch the first one she's she's a vivid dreamer and that dream you just described is probably uh, like right i think i probably made no sure go. that that's getting sucked into her <laughs> subconscious <laughs> no go she's gonna have secondhand dreams now <laughs> second <laughs> Where, bro you can't dream in a car you're just gonna get secondhand dreams bro <laughs> all right anyways rings of power power 
Um, have you read the Silmarillion? Fuck no. Okay. I've tried three times. I own like a old, old version of it. Um, and I've tried and I'm just like, this is like a sh- boring ass history, uh, book from college. Yeah. I haven't either. And I think that's important to say, uh, before we like give our reviews of the, of the show, our, our brief review, but I'm on episode seven right now or eight. I can't remember seven or eight. Um, and like, there's a couple of weird quirky things, but like for the most part, I'm really enjoying it. Me too. Okay. <laughs> Me too. And I, there's so much hate about it out there, but it's like, now you think about it, nerds are so like spiteful on, on most things. Yeah. So it's like, ah, that's fine. That's fine. I got on uh, a talk real brief. I got a little bit of an argument over my friend Tony about this show because he's like, you know, our group chat, he's like, he's like, oh, this, this show is shit. And, uh, Tony listens to the episode, I think, or the podcast, anyway. And uh, and I'm like, ah, it could be worse. Could be Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, Game of Thrones is so much better. The story, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, first of all, the Game of Thrones, the original shows, which I was referring to, is all based on like the, the actual origin book story. This isn't that, right? This I don't expect this show to be able to, to tell this like amazing story story of 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 you know all the events that happened um because that already exists Mm. okay this is an ancillary thing that like lets you peek behind some of the history and connect the ley lines of of how things came to be yeah and so it doesn't need to be able to stand on its own you you don't watch the show if you've never watched lord of the rings right you got to assume yeah man that's really hard to think about what the show would feel like if i had never seen Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies or read any of the books. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've watched so many 80s fantasy movies in the last year and a half. And they all have this weird, campy, quirky nature to it that, like, this just, like, absolutely blows them out of the water in terms of, like, like storytelling and, like, understandability and, like, all that stuff. But it's it's hard to know if I hadn't, if I hadn't seen that stuff beforehand. Yeah. I mean, it, it also, I mean... The production value of it is so fucking good. It's so fucking good. It's insane. Yeah. Like, I mean, it feels, obviously, its budget is massive. Yeah. Right? But it has to be. It feels that way, though. It feels like those goddamn albino oryx. I was like, oh, my God, this could be, like, in the midst of, you know, the the two towers or whatever. Yeah. You know, like. Episode six is like a, it's an hour and 20 minute episode. It's a feature length film and it has 50 minutes of fucking combat in it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so so that, okay. Some of the arguments about why I show are bad that I've heard, because I put a little poll out in my Instagram story because I was watching it, enjoying it. About 60% of people like it, 40% don't like it, um, which is pretty close to half and half. Um, Someone said that it was boring and I was like, okay, each movie of lord of the rings is like about three and a half hours long and there's one major combat sequence in it in each one and that's kind of how this is working out right now yeah i'm assuming there's another combat sequence at the end of the show i maybe i'm wrong about am i wrong about that i'm trying to remember no okay so there's like not wrong i'm not wrong okay so we got one at episode six and there were other small skirmishes leading up to that point eight episodes right oh is it i think it's eight okay i think i'm on the last one then Okay, um, but it seemed like they follow the same pacing in terms of like how much action there is to like, dialogue and drama and stuff like that. Um, the other uh, thing people were saying was that like, like the combat and battling didn't make any sense, but it's just like, 
it's a fucking fantasy movie. Like, who fucking cares? Like, it's just, yeah. I just want to see elves swinging swords decapitating <laughs> yeah, yeah, orcs. You don't go from right-handed to left-handed sword swinging in the midst <laughs> of a battle. Yeah, it's just like, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it's it's all based on fantastical things. Dude, right? also, it's fucking, it's dark as fuck, dude. Yeah, at the end, too. Like, when you get to the end, like, it gets it gets heavier, even. It does it? Yeah. It, I, like, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, it's, it is shockingly dark at, at like four or five points so far that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I enjoy it. Again, I'm not looking at it. Maybe that's why I enjoy it more. I'm not looking at it as a standalone miniseries that my mind is blank before I watch, and then it needs to by the end of the whole thing have have had this all encompassing experience. I look at it as I fucking love Lord of the Rings. Yeah, this brings some things together in some you know you lines are drawn you see the history of characters you can see um and, and some other stories that are totally new mm. um because it's following a number of different storylines so i like i enjoy i also you know i'm a nerd for lord of the rings absolutely Who isn't right well, i want more lord of the rings right. i'm curious how much of it is book accurate not that that would affect my enjoyment of it but i wanted my mom to watch it because she's got a fucking phd in tolkien lore um, cause I'm curious, like how much of the story is actually accurate to what was originally wrote. Um, but I'm for everyone out there. I know people are going to disagree with what we're saying right now. I'm curious. Is there, is there a fantasy TV show that you would recommend us other than game of Thrones? That is, that is better than this. I think fantasy is a difficult thing to make movies about and, uh, TV shows about because not only does it require the all the normal abilities of making like a modern movie with like good script writing, good dialogue, all that stuff, but it requires costuming, it requires you know set location, all this extra baggage, right? Yeah. So these don't come along very often, right? So this is a pretty good showing. So I'm curious, is there a better one? Is there a better one that you'd recommend? That's just why when you bring that up, that's so important because the Wheel of Time series on Amazon Prime. It, within the first episode, I because I have recently read reread well like halfway through the series again. It's fucking seventy thousand books, but um, <laughs> it's so bad. It looks like you and I went out in in the in the woods with a camera and a bed sheet to act as a cloak. Like it, like it just feels, <laughs> really. It feels like all right. This is probably before your time, but like back in the day on the WB network. Where it was like Warner Z- Bros. Is that what WB is in this case? Yeah, yeah. WB was a TV station. Okay, it's still around, um, but it had a lot of like the the reruns. It wasn't like a real TV station. They had like reruns of Mash and shit. But they had sh- they had the show Hercules with Kevin Sorbo, and they had the show Xena Warrior Princess, and there might and they also had like Buffy Vampire Slayer. They had a couple of bangers um, that were geared towards like teen audiences. But exact when I watched this Wheel of Time show, it felt like fucking Xena Warrior Princess, where it's like occasionally you see like a, a guy walking by and like you can see his jeans sticking out from <laughs> under the fucking trousers. Like it just feels so low budget, like old school Star Trek style, right? Where it's just like yeah. cheesy. Yeah. Um and that's okay. I'm like I'm I'm for that, you know? I've watched so many shitty sci fi and fantasy movies that I like I've come to like actually appreciate that a little bit, which sounds super lame, but like I don't mind if that's there a little bit. It's kind of part of the genre uh, to me a little bit. Yeah. No, and, and uh, like there's a bit of that. Like you can have that. Yeah. If you have things that are like, but the 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 storytelling, the editing, the pacing, you know, the, the characters, cool props, the cool fucking battles, like yeah, the, like, the cool characters. Yeah. There's so many things that are 
are actually more important than that in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if any of those is also lacking, which Wheel of Time does as well, it does a shit-ass job of telling the actual story, which the first book is amazing and what they chose to keep and why they didn't and why the, actually the characters are, for some random reason, 15 years older than all the main characters in the, the book because they're supposed to be like 14 years old. Yeah. And they're like mid to late 20s. Anyway, there's just a lot of weird things there. So it's not that one. Maybe there's another one, though. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. I also don't know if this is the case for you, but I have a hard time like reviewing a fantasy movie in the same way that I would review a movie like, I don't know. The Green Mile. Sure, The Green Mile. Just a dr- standard drama. Yes. Sure. Because it's like, I've, I have to get through the fact that these are elves and dwarves talking and they're speaking in the way that they speak before I even can talk about like the story making or sorry, the dialogue, the script writing, how the edit is constructed. Like I'm just so absorbed in the fact that like, this is a fantasy story that I don't even necessarily care about those elements. (laughs) So it's weird. Um, like I don't understand why the return of the King won best picture, but the other two didn't to me. They're all fucking the same. They're all amazing. I love them all. Uh, so yeah, that's another thing about me in, in fantasies. I don't. I have a hard time critically looking at them. I don't know why. It's weird. Yeah, I, I think it more was because of um, you can't give it to the middle movie, right? <laughs> so they know it's a trilogy. They, the first one didn't win. They're, they can't give it to the second one. And the third one's like, oh shit, they get three. <laughs> they were all pretty fucking amazing. I think that's part of it. The other part of it is just pure from a competition level at any particular year of those three years. Okay. One, one of those years was probably weaker in competition. Okay. And that's where the one wins. That's my that's my outside Siskel and Ebert kind of a, a opinion on that. But Yeah, yeah. Um, Two Towers is the best. It's the best. Um, I, I love this. I, um, Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite because I love this, like the origin of the journey is begun. Yeah. Right? Like that whole feeling, the it's first hype. hour of that movie, I'm just like, oh, fucking love this. Yeah, it's it's fucking hype. All right, that was a hella long preamble ramble. <laughs> I ain't dropping no eaves, sir. <laughs> Samwise Gamgee! Oh, God, I just, I just clicked so loud. I'm sorry, audio listeners. Um. All right. Anyways, I bet like the the fucking comment section uh, below is gonna be like, "Here's why you're wrong." <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, in my uh, I, I fucking low key put this in my my video that went live today where I reviewed the two thin coats bait. I I made no reference to it. I didn't do a smirk at the the screen. All I did was as best I could. I just said, "Sure." <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see if anyone get it. Has anyone my, got it so far? I, I I haven't. You know the the video went live when I was on the dro- the drive up here, so okay. I haven't really even checked the comments yet. We'll check it at when we're getting canes. Yeah. Okay. Um, what we painted? Yes. What we painted? What we painted? I um, was worried our preamble ramble didn't have like anything in it. We were going to talk about much. <laughs> oh, no, but let's fucking talk about Lord of the Rings for Dude. an hour. <sighs> yeah. So I've been I've been a little sick. I might I I got sick on Saturday, so this is six days ago. Yesterday was my first day back in the office, and I, like I feel like I feel like great. I felt like shit for four days, but like I have a cough and I have congested nose still. But like I'm able to like work and focus and not get tired walking mm-hmm. across a fucking room. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you're curious why I sound this way, um. But while I was at home, I did watch Rings of Power, but I also played a fuckload of Hades and I also man I got really deep into 3D printing 
Uh, oh, that's that's a good thing to do when you're sick. Really. I know, because you can just test shit, print it, yeah, forget about it. Nap. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So it really worked out. Um, and I was trying to get these models from Last Sword printed, the Vampire Infantry. Uh-huh. And man, they would not print. They would not stick to their supports. They would constantly fail. And I was getting so pissed off. And I was like so convinced that it was an issue with the uh, the pre-supports, that they were just bad. And I, I showed them to some people that I, you know I trust their opinion of, Atlas mm-hmm. Support Group. And they were like, honestly, I would just redo all of those because they just don't look great. Um, which I was like, I mean, that's kind of like one of the values you buy these things for. Yeah, I bought a thing to print so it just happens. Right. And I don't know how common of a thing this is, but I took one of the pre-supported models and I put it in Chichu Box, which I don't use anymore. Uh, spoilers um and i did like your lychee boy now i'm a lychee boy yes and i i did the island anal- analysis tool in chitu on one of these pre-supported models and it came back with 67 islands <laughs> island <Yeah>. boy <laughs> i was just like man like i don't know if that's like an issue with the tool or if this is like a thing in the industry but like how are there 67 islands on a pre-supported model i don't know can you explain what an island is an island is a uh, model prints kind of upside down it kind of comes out of the the resin vat on the build plate and an island is a part of the model that would be printing with no support and no attachment to the main body of the model so it would just print in mid resin vat air it would just stick stay there yeah it would just print right in the thing and then it would just float to the bottom of the vat blocking the bottom of the vat from other things now an island can be microscopic um so it might not actually cause a lot of issues, but over time they build up, cause more print failure, stuff like that. Generally speaking, you don't want any islands. Um, so I I took it upon myself to learn lychee and how to play supports and all that. And I went through a couple iterations, like dialing into my exposure. I feel like whenever I fucking 3D print shit, I got to fucking relearn how to do it. And I hate that. And it's really, it's not a problem because you have, I think you have it kind of nailed, right? I have it nailed on one and a half of my printers. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I think it's an issue with me and my brain. I, The thing is, is I, I always want every print to be like right on that red line where it's like, yeah. if I go down 0.1 seconds in exposure, this is going to fail. Sure. Because I want that max quality. Sure. Like that's just not how it works, you know? But I want like every support to be like the exact size that it needs to be, not big and chunky, I want it to be as thin as it can be while not allowing for a print failure. So like, I just want all these things to be like 100% all the time on every model. And that just ain't how it works. Like every mini is going to be a goddamn project. And I, I, can't, I can't do that. So I dial the back. I have a safe exposure, nice thick supports, holding the model to the build plate. And I got two really, really quality prints. But I have fucking eight more guys to go. <laughs> Do you have it? Because I saw some pictures you had shared where you had different sizes of them. You're trying to get the yes. size correctly. 103% is is the... <laughs> That's right on? It's right on. Now yeah. Are those heads that I gave you, are those the correct to 103%? I think it'll be good. Okay. I think it'll be good. They're not going to look like an orange on a popsicle stick or anything? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I'll chop one off and put it on there. We'll see. Okay. Uh, but I think it'll be good. Yeah, I put it next to a skeleton. I wanted the vampires to be a little bit... A little bit bigger, a little yeah. taller than some skellies. Yeah, of course. Um, still in 25s, aren't Graveguards still in 25s, though? I think they are, yeah. Well, they always used to be. That was one of the values from a uh, you know, metagaming perspective is you could, with the one-inch one reach, you can still put them too deep. Oh. Because base size really matters in terms of 
two ranks being able to swing. Because an inch is like what twenty eight point five mil yeah. or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So at twenty five mil, you can um, you can just put base to base, and both rows can swing. Mm. Even at thirty two mil, you can't. Yeah. You can do a little bit of a of a back and forth with the guys there's two bases here the guy that can sink his base just in between those exactly he can typically swing mm. uh but that's very few in a second row yeah. plus the bigger the base the less guys you can skirt all the way around to get less people in and as you probably saw when you played evan like even when he only had a unit of five of those dudes very often he just couldn't position them to get more than like two dudes in yeah um so if if your opponent is is being you know cagey yeah so, which you were, you were, you're cagey with, with them, them knights, dude, the knights MVPs of both games so far. I gotta play Dan next. His, uh, he's playing Cities of Sigmar. <laughs> I, don't, I think I don't know which of the fucking cities. There's a lot of cities. There's a lot of cities in Sigmar. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's Cleveland. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. my piece. That's why. I, oh, also, I've been painting at home. I've been painting another unit of ten skellies. Ten skellies. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just chilling. I'm just painting slowly, and I don't fucking care. And it's great. Nice. That's you know? a good feeling. Like Amber's reading next to me. And Is she I, reading to you? <laughs> and then on high, the Lord had said to him, yeah, she's reading from the fucking Bible. <laughs> well, I paint skeletons. Um, no, it's just pull the pin at three. <laughs> no more. No less. Uh, it's been great, though. I like uh, I always have this theory that like you could base coat a thing silver, wash it blue, repaint it silver or or you could start dark blue and then just paint <laughs> paint it and leave all the details you want to be dark, dark. And I don't know if that's faster because it kind of requires you to be kind of like fiddly with like recess shades and shit like that. But that's what I've been doing, and it's it's looking really nice, looking really sharp. So I'm happy just kind of taking my time and paint slowly. Sharp. Okay. Uh, speaking of that, that'll that's a great transition to what I painted. Uh, I painted this demon prince, <laughs> and I have you look at the metals. And what I actually did for the metals on this was because I did an under undercoat of like a rusty red, and then under zenithal with like a deeper reddish brown. And when I did the metals, all I did was a, a calculated dry brush coming from top down on all the metals. So there was fairly sizable sections where none of the metallic paint touched. Um, and this creates a lot more contrast, obviously, because you have haves and have nots of touching the metal. And then I did a, like an Agrax, his version of an Agrax Earthshade wash over the whole thing. And then I just did touch edge highlights to bring back that shine. Now granted this is wanting a more a more pitted, a more worn metallics. But it was fast. Yeah. It's that effect. Um that that's the other thing is that when you're reapplying that layer after the wash, you're not like necessarily repainting like ninety percent of the surfaces. No. You're kinda of just like you're grazing edges, you're painting little scratchy bits in yeah. flat areas, stuff like that. So it's much faster. So that's why I said I wasn't sure if that other method was actually any faster. Yeah, so I, nice. This is like a, this is like a great tabletop plus plus standard. Like if you had an army of this shit, like it would look so fucking banging. That's and that was kind of my goal with it was that this is and I already had somebody and excited posted pictures of this guy this morning in my Instagram and somebody asked me like what percentage ball sack is this? Which is that's a great question. It is, and I hadn't really thought about that. And I would say 
This is probably 60% ball sack, maybe 50. Yeah, I'd say 60. There were certain parts of it that like I, you know, I knew I had to commit more time to to build it up to a level that it was going to be mildly impressive to look at at arm's length or in a thumbnail or a picture online or holding or seeing at the table, right? But there were a lot of things where I cut a buttload of corners because this thing has got so much square footage of actual shit you have to paint. Fuck wings, okay? Fuck wings in their in their dumb butts. Dude, I am dreading painting the zombie dragon wings. I am dreading it. It's got a very similar style as this. Because also, look at these fucking wings. Why does every Games Workshop wing look like goddamn Tyranids? Those look like fucking Tyranid wings. They kind of do. They're like they're a little bit more like tattered at the bottom, but like like looking up though, kind of yeah. It even has all those like the little ridge things, like their little armor plates that Tyranids have. Yeah, what's the deal with that? I don't I don't understand. Um, yes, he's got the little like he's got jewelry all over his wings. That's his thing. Um, but they're they're like eighty percent the exact same wings as Tyranid wings. But this is the future of your slave's darkness scheme right here. Um. My the one of the reasons why I wanted to paint him was because he's so different, um, in terms of like the the setup of demon skin, which is mostly what he is, and big wings and stuff. I felt like I could paint him in a way where I wasn't locked into a scheme, hmm. and I painted with a lot of neutrals um, outside of that. So his armor is actually just a couple of of coats of a wash over top of that prime to give it almost like a. It's not quite black. It kind of looks like a, a brownish black. Put scratches on there, whatever. It's kind of can fade into whatever color I want. I'm not like, hey, this is turquoise armor. Then I'm like, oh, whole army has to be turquoise armor. You talk about that in the video? That's actually really interesting. I I didn't um I didn't because I didn't commit to. It wasn't part of my storyline. Was, okay, was okay, committing yeah, to yeah. this being part of the army. Yeah. There's a lot of other things I had to talk about at the end of the video. I kind of like bring that in. Like, what do you think? Should I continue this? That's like a really cool strategy, though. It's like, I'm just dipping my toe. I know. Uh, dipping my toe in a safe way. Yeah. Also, there's a rule in the army where, like, if there's a, a certain ability that if your hero is slain, you roll 2d6, I think. And if you roll an 11 or a 12, they explode in fire and turn into a demon prince. So even if I don't use a demon prince on my army, I got one painted. That's true. Maybe I bam demon prince. I uh, I hate that fucking rule more than anything in the world. <laughs> There's so much bullshit like that in Age of Sigmar, and it ruins the game. <laughs> it fucking ruins the game. Actually, I don't know if it's when you kill him. I think it's. I could totally see that happening. That, that's, yeah, that sounds just I like. I don't think it's as powerful as that. I think it's like when there's these set of things that can happen that allow you to roll on this this table and. Each of the results, some of them are bad. Some of them, like, they just fucking die. <laughs> um, As they should. <laughs> yeah, but, like, 11, 11, you remove that hero from the table and replace him with the Demon Prince. Okay. And then at 12, you get to choose whatever result you want on the entire table. But it's a 12 on 2d6. Come on, you should. And that's the most powerful one. There's stuff like they can, they can heal a couple wounds or stuff like that. But Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so that I have one. I, I was pretty happy with um, uh, the base. So I sculpted that base out of um, Epic Basing. Their new stuff is called Demon Stone, a bunch of different things, and a bunch of epoxy sculpt that I used. And in the something new we tried this uh, this week, part of the after party, our extended version of the podcast that our patrons have access to, I'm going to go to something that I, I learned 
about that that base um that process because it's actually sculpted that front rock you can probably tell is sculpted into the model that that the one that is big leg is standing on in front and obviously that stone doesn't look like the other stones kind of does but it's close enough and i guess if you painted it the same way um it kind of looks like it belongs absolutely yeah i i didn't really like i mean now that you bring it up yeah it's a little bit smoother less jagged than the other ones but like i didn't think about that one until you said something yeah but that series, that rock series from Epic Basing is a brand new one, and it's called Demon Stone. I'm like, I guess I'm using Demon Stone. Yeah, He's a demon prince. They made the choice for me. Yeah. So that was really fun to, to sculpt that. So that was a, probably another little bit extra amount of, of, of ball sack in the, the sculpting and figuring out how to paint that how I wanted to in the base instead of just like throw some fucking basing paste down there, throw a couple tufts and a couple rocks and yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt like I needed a little bit more. Yeah. I think that definitely served it well. And it's actually a... A basing scheme that maybe I think I would tweak it a little bit, but that I think really work would work for an army. How would you tweak it a little bit? Um, so how I did it was it's a, a airbrush spray of like a Mephiston. Wasn't Mephiston red? It's a darker one than Mephiston. Not corn red either. They have like a dark red, whatever color that I airbrushed the whole thing, uh-huh. and I did a couple series of dry brushes to, to build up this almost like uh, charcoal look. I would have started with a more vibrant red underneath mm. to show it a little bit more because you cover up most of it. And at the tabletop, you can't really even see that red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You're right. I don't want it to be like Clown fiesta like dumb bright-ass red. But I think it helps that that similar red, if not the same one, is on the model itself. You are correct. That same red is used a lot on right. this model. Right, yeah, yeah. So it kind of, it kind of, you see it, though, because it's on the other parts of the model. Yeah. I didn't think about that way. That, that makes sense. Um, there was an element of the pram ramble that I forgot. Um, so if we're done with what we painted, mm-hmm. can, we, can we pop back for a second? I need you to reach under your chair. Oh, okay. On the on the left side, it might be a little bit deep because I didn't want you to see it. Fucking deep. When oh. you uh, came in. But we're going to do a little taste test today. <laughs> of uh, <laughs> Yeah, John's got to get on the fucking ground right now to get this thing. What the- <laughs> Goddamn Oreo Cakesters under my chair. Oh, I bought John some Oreo Cakesters to just kind of finish this trilogy off here. <laughs> we brought it up. This it's, is Return of the King of Oreo yeah, Cakesters. Yeah, this is Return of the ca- the fucking Cakesters. <laughs> yeah, we had we had the Cakesters strike back in the previous episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a new Cakester uh, in uh, the other one. Now, now we're mixing our Lord of the Rings and Star Wars references. Right, here. right. Um, we got to clink it and sink it here. Okay. All right. Take get 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 yourself in there. Please don't drop it on my demon prince. I will not. Okay, initial and first smell test. I mean, that smells like it's it smells like preservative goodness, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it kind of feels like it too. Um, I I'm ready. All right, clink it. Got to clink it. Beep with your sick ass. All right, let's do this. Man, that is so fucking soft. It's soft yet like not moist. Oh, it's like dry soft. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, I can't taste shit right now. <laughs> I don't have COVID. I did two antigen tests negative, but I'm congested. So all it is to me is texture. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just softness. Well, you should be able to taste whether or not there's moisture in the cake. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit dry, sure. Um, okay. 
All right, this is uh, um, snacks. Snacks test out of ten. To me, this is like, like if you like this, <laughs> I, I'm so scared. What you're gonna say? If you, I know there's nothing. If you like this? You're a piece of shit. No, if you like this, you need to. I need to introduce you something called the Hostess Ding Dong. Oh, baby, because this is like a Hostess Ding Dong. If the Hostess Ding Dong was like not very good, like this is good. This isn't. This isn't bad, but like. A hostess ding dong is this, but with moist cake, and then like dipped in a thin layer of chocolate mm, with a little swirly. With yeah, no, 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 the Wait. swirlies are only on the cupcakes. Oh, cupcakes, okay. okay. The cupcakes and the ding dongs are basically the same product, just repackaged. It's it's like anything at Taco Bell. They have yeah, they make one thing. They just make it look different. Same five ingredients, right? Mixed. That's the same thing with pretty much anything from Hostess that is chocolate based, right? This is solid. I, I'm glad I gave you time to finish your cake so that you can taste. Yeah, no, it's just like I'm just fucking eating it it's for okay, the calories. This is, this is great. I'll, it is not bad. It is certainly not a cookie. Yeah, you don't got to you don't got to finish it if you don't want to. Oh, I'm going to. It's oh, not. Okay. I mean, it's it's good. Okay, it's good, but I mean, it's no Oreo. Let's cut back to previous John, who was saying these are shit or whatever. They fucking whatever. I would you, never claim it. I would claim you flamed them pretty hard. Listen, I stand by my statement. <laughs> I'm glad I ate one. I wouldn't go out of my way to buy them, though. Yeah. All right. Thanks for thanks for bringing this back full circle. We can let, lay this to rest. The Cakester saga. We need some. Do we need some Cakesters merch? <laughs> it's just a shirt that shows like two Cakesters, like cartoon Cakesters floating in the air, and then it just says "fuck Cakesters" on it. <laughs> I think what we need is uh, everything, everywhere, all at once themed shirt where it's just like every reference from like season three of the podcast is on a shirt. Oh. Fucking Play-Doh snakes, fucking Oreo cakesters, fucking Hormel secret laboratory, <laughs> <laughs> like everything, you know, just all makes no sense. I mean, that's a smart idea at the end of every season. We have a uh, like the the season retrospective shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. that's not bad. And then you can everyone can go back and be like, oh man, this is the 2020 season. Remember, there was a uh, I don't remember what our references were, but yeah, it will be distinctive references from that. I think that was definitely when meat and potatoes was very strong. So you might even say that hoodie was kind of one of those things. That's true. The season one was the season of meat and potatoes. Well, like. Like the first full top season. I mean, Tendy's can never die, so that will always be here. Yeah, Ten- the golden Tendy will always be at the center. As if we would ever want it to die, but in case we ever did, the fact that we eat canes every time we <laughs> record, yeah. it's always top of mind. Yeah, man, there's a lot of canes hate in the Facebook group. Really, a lot. Like, I would like say specifically canes. No, well, I mean, it's because it comes up the most because it's it's our podcast. So whenever someone gets like canes, not whenever, but very often someone will post their canes order, um, be like, hey, I got canes. And then like half of the comments are like, the fuck does this have to do with anything? They don't say, I mean, yeah, some say that, but I say half of the people who are talking about the food don't like it. They're like, oh. it's not good. It's low quality, <laughs> whatever. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it is, but I think for a chain, it's pretty fucking good. 
I, I I tend to agree. You know, if you were to tell, if you were to say to me, you can either never have, you can either never have canes for the rest of your life, or you can never have Popeyes for the rest of your life. I I might say sayonara to canes. Wow. Now, I was not expecting that. Take this with a grain of salt because I don't have either of those restaurants in my hometown. <laughs> and I do have shitty-ass KFC. But, I mean, KFC can be okay. But, like, you know, I like that juiciness from a bone, bro. Mm. You know? Uh, yeah, I know. It helps. Can- but Canes is solid. Yeah, it is. Let's let's spend more time talking about chicken on this show. <laughs> <laughs> This portion of today's episode is sponsored by Broken Anvil Miniatures, who's showing off their new Kickstarter campaign, Forged, featuring a massive miniature collection. Forged is a huge selection of beautifully sculpted 28mm heroic-scale pre-assembled plastic miniatures. Together with 5E-compatible content, and Broken Anvil is offering this enormous assortment of minis to backers at wallet-friendly prices. Keen observers will notice that this campaign looks familiar. The BAM team has relaunched this product after receiving feedback from the community, and the Forge campaign you see today has been retooled, revamped, and restructured to be more accessible to fans. It is chock full of diverse minis, easy unlocks, and amazing add-ons, all at an incredible deal. You can choose the Heroes box, which features an exciting array of brave and daring characters, or perhaps the Enemies Encounter box, with its squads of formidable foes to fit your style. And who doesn't need a creepy lich in their collection anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you want both heroes and enemies. Well, you can with the Adventure Box. They've also got something called the Forge Masters Bundle. And that is the ultimate value here, folks. Because you get all the minis in the Adventure Box, plus the 5e Adventure Module, plus the Creature Compendium, plus the 7-piece Dragon Bundle, plus the 45-piece Terrain Bundle. And the list goes on. Head over to Kickstarter to see for yourself just how much you're going to get by supporting this campaign. Thanks to Broken Anvil for sponsoring this portion of the episode. You can check out links to the Forge Kickstarter below in the show notes or video description. Today's topic comes from one of our goody peoples, J.P. Mager. What does he write here, John? <sighs> J.P. Mager says... Rock stars and celebrities have a history of outrageous lists of demands for their accommodations in order to perform for a show. From Van Halen's M&M's with all the brown ones removed to Will Ferrell's request for a flight of stairs on wheels. (laughs) JP's question is, what would be in your contract riders, including both hobby and non-hobby requirements? So... The presumption that is that we are going somewhere for a live performance and we are required to have a certain set of things. But you wanted to expand this question, right? Yeah, like my brain went to a couple of different areas. Okay. I, I wrote it in the text, but I forgot what I said. <laughs> um, but uh, I think there's a couple ways to, to think about this. One, this is just a fun question, but yeah. I think there's actually some like some meat and potatoes to this question to bring us back to season one. Um of, of kind of the things that we really are, are looking for, we require, and different parts of our miniature calendars across the year that we would want things to be done. Now, the obvious over-the-top silly one, I think, is what we start with first. So sure. we have been invited to the red carpet premiere of 
whatever the the newest Netflix hit TV show uh, of oh, about I, miniature painting. Okay, right, non hobby stuff. So th- this is the fun one. Then we're gonna get into that. All right, real, the real deal. Okay, Tango. So like we're standing there in the red carpet premiere, and then Channing Tatum comes up and he's like, "What's up, guys?" And we're like. Who are you? And then <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. oh, man, I love that space marine you painted. And you're like, who are you? <laughs> Here, here's the keys to the Bentley. Take it around back, chauffeur. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I wish you guys were in my next movie. We're like, what? You're in movies? He's like, yeah. Was this one of your dreams, too? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so we're seeing beautiful people. Uh, we're obviously the 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 in the middle of the road of the beautiful people. You know, yeah. we're not the most beautiful people. We're not the least beautiful people either. Yeah, yeah. 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 And we're there, and we're like, okay, look, I'm going to send you backstage before you go on live with Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know how these <laughs> events are on. <laughs> what do we need? What are we requesting, Scott? What are the things that will make our our vain selves <laughs> happy to be here or uh, not pissed to be here? Right. right, not pissed is, yes, that's how I would describe it as well. Yeah, I need... A Dr. Pepper in a can, not a bottle, not a fucking fountain drink. Mm-hmm. I need it in a can. I need it um, basically to the point where if it were any colder, it would be freezing. Okay. And I need a koozie so that I can drink that at whatever speed I want. And it'll stay as cold as I need it to be for the length of that duration. Because I'm a saverer, okay? Oh, okay? I don't fucking chug my sodas, okay? Oh. I drink a, a can of soda over the course of an hour, an hour and a half. Sure. And my dentist hates it. Um, and Shh. my wife, if so help me fucking God, if she asks for any amount of that soda, it's a hard fucking no, okay? <laughs> my body is fucking designed to consume whatever amount of goddamn liquid is in that fucking can. No more and no less. Okay, 12, 12 ounces. 12 ounces, okay? I'm trained to okay. enjoy that much soda in that amount of time at that temperature. How much okay. How much time does it take you to go through one of these? Like, like an hour. Yeah, that's a fair amount. Hour and a half. Yeah, you like don't, dude, if it's DP, you, you, you chug that too much, you're just going to have the DP burps. Yeah, like, no good. Hardcore DP burps. We don't want that. Yeah. So, like, you're saying you need the... It's it, To me, I'm hearing it's mostly about this, the temperature. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I want, I want it to hurt, you know? Oh, so, like, if this was an A&W root beer, it'd be like the Frosty Mug, right? Like yeah. the Frosty... You ever had one of those? I haven't. Okay, so I'm you agreeing. Go, bro, we need to go to A&W sometime. We did. Yeah, we, did. we did. Okay, but you go and eat in there, yeah. and you get a root beer. Yeah. Um, They give you this big glass mug that they put the root beer in and they take it out of the fucking freezer and it's covered in frost yeah dude that's the temperature frosty mug okay so it feels like you you like you want the frosty mug and you just didn't know it existed yeah you, while it's still in the can the pro yeah yeah but the issue is that would just i think that would cool down over the course of an hour too fast so that's why you need the koozie i have like this fucking black koozie that surrounds a can like of that size in insulating material so it stays pretty fucking cold for like a whole, oh, whole hour this is like rich people koozies. I was no, just figuring like a little Miller Lite one. Oh no 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 none of that shit. This is like it was like it's hard. It's metal. It's awesome. Is it, is it made by uh, I'm a fucking advanced soda drinker? Okay. okay, yeah, okay. Is it made by the company that makes the expensive ass uh, co- coolers? And oh, stuff? Uh, Yeti. Is it um, a, is it a Yeti can cooler? I'm sure they make them. I'm sure they do too. I don't know. There's a lot of companies like this, like Hydro Flask and shit. There's like a ton of them. Yeah. So uh, it's one of those ones. It's not a Yeti. One. <sighs> 
there's a here's a Christmas gift idea for you, Scott. There Amber, is. if you're editing this, Scott needs a Yeti can cooler <laughs> thingy bullshitter. I wouldn't buy one for the office. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Um. All right. Anyways, that's my first item. I okay. Need, I need. I need my fucking my drink. Okay. All right. I need. Um, randomly placed throughout the green room. So like stuck between couch cushions, yeah. like in the potted plant, like on the up underside of the ceiling fan. I need one dozen single shots of fireball, cinnamon whiskey, <laughs> hidden around the room like Easter eggs. Okay. <laughs> and then if I'm a little nervous, if I'm a little bored, if I if you know if I want to loosen up, you know, someone comes in and I don't even like not only does this need to happen, I need to not know it has happened. So then when somebody comes up and they see my mood isn't exactly where I want it, mm. they're like, uh, uh Mr. Mr. John, um hidden across this room are one dozen fireball single shots. Can you find them? <laughs> and I get to go around the room Searching for booze. And then my reward is every time I find one, I get to slam a little fireball cinnamon whiskey. And I feel warm on the inside and I feel happy on the outside. There you go. That okay. doesn't seem that difficult. No. But like, would you be surprised if that were happening if you requested it though? Listen, part of part of writers like this is somebody call me. Fuck you, potential spam. I don't know that name. It sounds suspicious. <laughs> First name, potential, last name, spam. <laughs> oh, man. That's a pretty good Twitter handle, actually. <laughs> potential spam. Oh, my God. It really is. Oh, man. I think that's going to name my next MMO character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That reminds me of uh, Girlfriend Reviews when they played like Breath of the Wild. They named Link I Farted. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> oh, because they say that all the NPCs just name yeah. I Farted. And so like you'll see like <laughs> someone just randomly say, I farted. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this Welcome. is fantastic. <laughs> I love that. All right. So here's the thing. Here's the, here's the part of being a difficult celebrity is that – you don't want to have to use your precious, very rich words, ideas, and time. You want everybody to be able to think about what you want without you ever having to say it. Okay, so you're just assuming that they would have done this for you. Yes. Okay. Now, I will say, like, years from now, I'm randomly at, like, a like an olive garden, okay? And... uh you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get like the free rangoons or whatever. But then, like, <laughs> so fucking rangoon. The way, yeah. like the waitress comes over, and as she puts the breadsticks, she slowly leans in. And she says, "Mr. John, <laughs> somewhere in this Olive Garden, I have hid twelve single shots of fighter ball cinnamon whiskey. Find them if you dare. That would be the best day of my fucking life." Yeah. And the whole Olive Garden would think that I had lost my mind. <laughs> I would be like flipping up plates of meatballs. Did you be like searching inside salad bowls? Yeah, I'd be like search because they have all the fake tchotchke shit everywhere. Oh, I'd be yeah. pulling it off the walls. You'd be in there. I would. I would. Uh, I would be the happiest day of my be life. Looking in minestrone soups. <laughs> For a shot of liquid in a soup, yeah. Uh, you know that baked ziti is the ziti. There's a lot of there's a lot of space yeah. in the inside <laughs> a lot of, of those volume in there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay, that's mine. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, okay, that was a pretty good idea. So, in the spirit of that, 
I would request a either vintage or indie pewter vampire model that I had never discovered in my life as a gift. Okay. Okay. For my collection of pewter vampires that sure. is growing every day. Yeah. Irresponsibly. So yeah, that's all I want. Okay. A little, a little old school vampire model. Okay. I got another one. Okay. Okay. Right before we're going on Kimmel. Okay. <laughs> we're in the green room or we're, we're about to go on, out on stage. Right. And, um, and our, our, our handler says, uh, uh, Mr. John, um, there is a special guest that is, uh, is here to see you and we think it will get you, uh, the most hyped for the show. And I'm like, bring them in. And, um, they open the door and in walks Bindi Irwin. You know who Bindi Irwin is? No. Bindi Irwin is Steve Irwin's daughter. Okay. Okay. Uh, fuck dude. (laughs) Okay. She and her brother. Uh, I have continued Steve's legacy. Okay. I love like they're zookeepers. They love animals. Okay. Okay. Bindi Irwin walks in and she hanging from all over her shirt are baby sloths. You're a sloth man. Dude. Sloth, baby sloths are the cutest fucking things in the face of the earth. Okay. And she just like walks up and she sticks her arms out and I stick my arms out and the baby sloths. Over the course of the next 30 minutes. I was going to say, I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> slowly move from her arms to my arms onto okay. me. Okay. And I don't know Bindi. So, like, we have to have our hands touching to, to create the rope bridge okay. for the sloths. Yeah, so, yeah. it's a little awkward, but I feel like it's worth it. Okay. And so, before the, sto- the sold-out Wembley Stadium... I get my picture taken, covered in baby sloths. Okay, but you're like an hour late for your like show. Yeah, yeah. You have to handle the first part of the show because like you're like the sloths are still getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I come out for the first song. I assume we're singing. Yeah, uh, the first song. I still have the sloths. Right. Yeah, because then it'll be a thos- a sloth themed song. There it is. Right. I figured basically our music would be like. Weird Al Yankovic, but instead of like a bunch of different things he like replaces song lyrics with, it'd just be all tendies. Yes. Every song is just tendies, but like follows the melody of like, we built this cane song, <laughs> sauce and chicken. Yeah, that's what it'd be. <laughs> just that. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's pretty fucking good. Uh, Bindi fucking Irwin. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, okay. I... You know the guy in uh, Indiana Jones says uh, Kalima Shatti Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I would require someone's gonna rip out your heart. That kind of ritual to occur. Oh shit! I like this before the the concert on the stage, just to give it the right kind of vibes. You know, R- so human sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, but like like the movie, <laughs> <laughs> like the movie. <laughs> I just want to see it in real life. <laughs> I feel like this took a dark turn. It might have. I yeah. had baby slots, and you had uh, a man ripping the live beating heart out of another man's chest. Wouldn't that be fucking sick, though? Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're probably right. I mean, I, I that's really it. I'm a simple man. I only want two things. I want hidden fireball, and I want baby slots. So we can maybe now move on to the 
other other things that I actually like. These are real things in some capacity or another in, in regards to our writers. Let's do it. Okay. First scenario, Scott. Hey. 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 <laughs> you have signed up for a class, a painting class, okay, as a student. Okay. Okay. The class could be at a game store. So our answers can be related to either like at a game store, at a different location that the teacher has come to your town or is from your town. Okay. So you can either give answers related to that or you sign up for a class at a convention. Uh, so the your riders here are, these are what, when I go into that class, or maybe even before the class, these are things my must-have lists. So this is stuff that's like, we feel strongly about from this perspective of being a miniature painting student. Number one, a primed model. Oh, bazinga. <laughs> yes. If I have to go into your class and do pre-work, any fucking work, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, sorry, not any fucking work. Like, obviously, right. you got to paint the fucking Yeah, you're right. You were there for some reason. That <laughs> yeah, you know, Right, yeah. Some work. Uh, so if the model's not assembled, if it's not cleaned, if you got if if I have to like deal with like deal with all the mold lines. Now that said, if if a teacher had like twenty five students there and they built and primed all the models, got everything ready, put them on like uh, painting handles for you and everything, but there was one or two little mold lines or something that they missed or whatever, like I'm completely fine with that. Yeah, whatever. Let's be realistic. Also, if it's like a free class at your local game store, like what are you really asking for here? Like this is like we're talking about like a paid experience, right? Yes, you are you are paying for this. Okay, as a yeah, student. Yeah, yeah. You are the you are the customer. Okay. I'm okay. the customer now. I'm the customer now. Um you you gonna think I got one. Okay, you go. Okay. This one is more specific to uh at a game store or another location not tied to a convention. Mm-hmm. It was a painting class. Okay. This better be in its own fucking room that with a door that can be closed. Yep. And then it's also not in an area that is loud. So there's not like construction going on. There's not like all sorts of noise directly outside the room. This is about, I want a quiet space, not zero noise, but the whole point of this is, is I want to be able to hear the teacher. Well, I want to be able to focus on what we're there about. I don't want distractions. Um, the big thing in its own room, I'll, I'll add a little bit that is comfortable for the amount of people there. Absolutely. With a door that closes. Yep. And you may be like, John, this is silly. Why would, why is, why is that something you have to say? Cause you'd be fucking surprised. A lot of places that want to host their own miniature painting. Oh my God. Yeah. They, they do it in their game store and they want it like on the tables where they play their games in the whole open part of the store. If you work at a game store, you own a game store, you want to bring in painters or whatever, you better come up with a way that isn't that. Cause that is a miserable experience for teacher and student. And you, you may not realize it that it would be, but it certainly is. You get a lot of pe- emails from like people who not a lot, maybe like, once a quarter, people who want to do a class with us and they're like, we have our space available. We ask about the size. We always ask about like, you know, is it, you know, closed off? And it almost never is. Yeah. And I always have to have that kind of awkward conversation with right. them about yeah. like, is that isn't going to work. It's just, it's, we've, I've done it. It's a terrible experience. Yeah. It's um, like, would it think back to high school? Would you, would you think it's a good idea to teach history class 
in the one side of the gymnasium while gym class is going on. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work. It's not. It's not nice. Yeah, I, I get what they're what they're trying to get out of is like, oh, as passersby, your other customers can see this is happening. Yeah, and I get that. Or like the people in your class. It's nice if they can go and like they can buy something they need. They don't have it, like a paint or something, mm-hmm. or like a paintbrush or whatever. That is actually a super nice convenience. Yeah, but uh, if you're at the store that has another room, that's the ideal thing I'm talking about here. Is yeah. like they can open the door, go out. I gotta go run and grab a Uriel Yellow. Yep. Come back, then they can do that. But uh, yeah, and I, uh, my very first painting class I taught was at a local store as part of their um, grand opening event that they had. And I was there for six hours, and it was a six-hour introduction pop-in class. Yeah. Which means uh, like people could come in at any point, and the store provided them a mini. Um, I brought all my own paints, uh, which typically if you're teaching a class, you bring paints of your own for students to use. That's fine. But in this situation where they didn't even have to like sign up for this class, they could just come in and... Uh, that wasn't smart. But anyway, by the end of six hours, when it was in like the midst of this whole store in its grand opening where other events were going on at six hours, I had never, I had talked a lot in my, vo- in my life. I have never had my voice more, more shot than that. <laughs> you don't realize how you're fucking screaming at the top of your lungs for six straight hours. because People can't hear you. Yeah. Cause you're just competing against like gamers and shoppers and stuff. And I was even, I had it set up like a, uh, like a big rectangle of tables and I was in the center and I'd go over to people and just like basically keep doing loops because everyone was at different spots because they came in at different times and so I was close to people the whole time and I still fucking threw out my voice. So, um, okay. So that's, that's, that's another one I got. Okay. Um, I think comfortable chairs, mm-hmm. you're sitting in those things for like 16 hours. And so if like you have like a folding metal chair, I don't know. I hate it when I like stand up from a bad chair and like you get that delayed pain. It's like, okay. When is it going to come? And it's like a second later. It's like, oh, my ass. It hurts so much. <laughs> <laughs> it shoots right down to my ass. <laughs> yeah. Chairs is nice. That's a tough thing, especially at like conventions and stuff. It's like they don't, they have eh, like th- four out of 10, three out of 10 chairs, but they're never going to have when they have so many classes going on. Great chairs. Yeah. No, I, I don't need something super nice. I think the chairs at Depticon are good enough for me. Yeah. Like a cushioned butt and back. Like whatever, that's good enough for yep. me. Yep. Uh, but nothing, nothing like. You're not doing it all day, every day when you're as at home painting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we went to wizard school and with with uh, Mr. Ben Comets. Mr. Yes. And he, uh, we were in there. For, I don't know, four, six, seventeen hours. I don't even remember. Um, I didn't remember having a bad back from that. No. Or any of my any of my Adepticon class experiences, it never felt like oh my, this is a terrible like comfort level. They're all fine. To tie that into expectations um, of gear, right? So first things first, um, communication. When I'm going to a class, I want to have a communication from the event and or the teacher. Ideally, it's a combination of some of both that makes it clear so I know all that I need to bring. Yeah. What's expected of me. I'm prepared. I have all the things I need so I'm set up for success. The goal is is that I don't have any unnecessary roadblocks to me to do the thing that I'm there to do, mm-hmm. right? 
small mistakes and goof ups and, and oversights can happen. But I think if you're prepared as a teacher to be forthright in that communication and there are questions that come back, it will happen prior to the day. And then you can head that off and, and get everyone on the, on the same page. So that is really important communication. And so the students have access to you as a teacher and communication prior to the event is very important. Um, because we had one for our Las Vegas class. Um, great example that this person, um, they're one of my, my patrons. Otherwise, they didn't have access to us if they didn't have access to us through our own communication methods, like people emailing us through the top email or, or whatever, or yeah. messaging us on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Um, he messaged me directly on Patreon and he has a, uh, a physical disability and he's got some issues with you know with movement and stuff and he wanted to talk about that and he and and kind of clear things up and I had a good conversation with him about that and to be able to feel comfortable as a as a attendee and as a customer by having that conversation prior to the day of takes a lot of stress off of you and maybe takes some, some nervousness or anxiety about the event um, off of your plate so you can just enjoy so I think that's really important yeah I mean, those are the kind of the major things for classes for me. Mm. I got, I got, I got, I got one more. Okay, and that is, um, and this is kind of in line with the, the models already primed or whatever. But like, all the e equipment that is necessary for success is there. Um, if the teacher told me I need to bring my own painting light, great. If they didn't say that, I want the lights to be there to be, you know to work we each all have our own individual light over our own painting area it was expected to be airbrushes there's all airbrushes no, they're paper not clogged towel. and paper towels water yep all that that kind of stuff yeah the, access to water is really important um unless we're kind of all hanging around the teacher i want i want a freaking big screen tv or i want oh my god a yeah projector that, yeah i don't want to have to fucking stand up to see what you're doing at yes. any point. Yes, the teacher, uh, every t student in your class from where they're sitting at their painting area should be able to have a good view. We have the technology, it is available to see what the teacher is doing while they're talking to you and explaining. I, Yes, you can have the over the shoulder. Everyone's, now everyone come huddle over my shoulders. There is some value to that and I still think that there's it's not a, a bad thing to offer, but almost every class size you have if you do that, half of your students don't get a good view anyway. Man, not even half of them. Like fucking three people can right. see what you're doing. The rest have no fucking clue. Yeah, it's it's the person over your left shoulder, the person over your right shoulder, and then maybe the two taller people that are slightly yeah, yeah. have their head above those people. Yeah, that's about it. There's some fucking losers that are like standing in front of your desk that are just like absolutely hopeless. I have no idea. Like they have no fucking clue. The real fucking trick, if you want to know how to get the best view, is you go under the table, you slide up <laughs> up under their crotch. <laughs> Your just head just sticks up right in front of their <laughs> chest, and it's just staring. And you're, like, you're like, "Hey, Roman." Yeah, and you're like, "Hey, did you shower today, bro?" Bro, I, there's no TV there. I can't see what you're painting, so I made myself see. <laughs> <laughs> Put a TV in your crotch. <laughs> I am Croptivision. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So technology, I think that's important. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, that's pretty much it. As a writer, as a student in a class. And I would suggest if you're signing up to take a class locally, 
um, you're maybe you're not sure, maybe you're excited about the class, or if you have access to the venue to communicate to or the teacher to communicate to, even before you sign up, like ask some questions. Well, we don't want you to have a frustrating painting experience if you can like if these couple of boxes are checked, it should be good. You know, if they're like, oh, it's in the middle of our 40,000 foot square store, but, uh, you know, and you guys can just move the Warhammer train off and paint, right? Like, oh. you're going to have for a bad time if that's how this is set up. As an event coordinator, yeah, you need to ask endless questions. Trust no one to uh, understand your vision for how you want something to work. Yes. In life, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust anyone. That's my that's my policy. <laughs> <laughs> Always ask endless questions. All right, as a as a consumer of hobby products, what's your uh, what's your rec for a hobby store? When you walk in and you're like, you see this thing, you're like, okay, they know what they're doing. You know, there's like there's like some products. If if I saw them, I'd be like, okay, they understand. Like if I saw, like I went to the tower, I went to tower, and I saw rosemary and co brushes. And I was like, I know for a fact these are like manufactured in England, but I also know for a fact that they are like considered to be a price performant brush option in our hobby. And I'm finding them in a store in Minnesota. I was like, I was like okay, this store is paying attention to what people want and what they think they like. That was like a, that was like a green tick for me right there. Mm. You know? Yeah, okay, so you're saying what I want out of my local game store. Or like layout or like feature-wise, like whatever it is, like events, like anything. Anything that goes into running a successful uh, hobby store. Okay, well, <laughs> I got some stuff here. Uh, the first in one for me is I want the store to take responsibility and put in the effort to manage and promote their own events. They're starting a new Age of Sigmar League. There's a new Blood Bowl season that's starting. We have every Thursday is Warhammer night. If you show up, you know, you get to Warhammer. Um, like they're, <laughs> they're pushing it in their Facebook groups. They're doing quarterly events for different kinds of games or maybe more often, maybe less often, whatever. That they're being proactive in the success of their business by bringing the community together because if the community can come together and they feel like they have support and it's not just the community are the only ones that need to make it happen you have that backbone so it doesn't the you know the game falls off right without the support of a store in sometimes um i want i want my store to have a vested interest yeah in the things i'm excited to play and if they have a vested interest they're going to have their ears open to what games they should carry more stock for. What things it's just like, oh, hey, you know, next week they're coming out with a new, uh, you know, Goblin Palooza box. You, you know, you want one? Like, people that, this may seem fucking crazy, but the people at the store should be excited about the things and be able to tell you about the things that you're excited about. I know that sounds crazy. I got a local store that isn't that way. So that's what I want. Okay. That makes sense. I want good organization. Mm. I want the games to be organized by like play style. I want box color. I want organized box, box color. Yeah, I love it when the game store has some organized with their spines out and some that are flat. Yeah, and what always ends up happening is I always fucking look at the ones that are flat. I know. I never read the fucking spines. I just want to see the pretty pictures. Yes. So like your best sellers, the ones that are highest rated on Board Game Geek, have those ones be flat. 
how the other ones on the spine and they have them all organized by genre of game. Like that's I would I would it's love the, that. It's the old tried and true Barnes and Noble setup. Yes. Right? You yes. got the new releases thing when you come in. You like, come in, yes. We come in. Yes, that's it. Like you go in, exciting new things. The new shinies are here. I know at Source uh comics and games, they have the new they do the new stuff thing. I like that. And I always every time I'm there, I do a loop around that. Do a loop around it, yep. You know every time. I know. And I would never like all the things that I've bought off of that new release thing, I would not have bought if that new release thing wasn't there. Yeah. Um, you also have like these like, oh, there's a new game coming out that's like um, like a Marvel superhero based. Okay, we're going to do a display that's got Marvel Crisis Protocol. It's got maybe some Marvel comics. It's got some, some I don't know what other things. Pogs, Marvel Pogs. What the fuck's a Pog? Bro, you don't know what Pogs are? I mean, I know, I know like in the world of Twitch, I know what that is, but. Oh, no. You don't know what Oh, a P-A-W-G? No, 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 not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those two, those are on the end cap. <laughs> no, P-O-G-S, Pogs, baby. Oh, man. I think I fucked up. <laughs> Just quick look up what that is. Uh, P-O-G-S. Don't look up what the other thing you said. <clears throat> um, Dude, yeah, that's straight up 90s, bro. Uh, we, You know, we're going to have some... Gonna open an incognito tab. Yeah, so all, all of our boomer listeners out there will know <laughs> what fucking pogs are. Fucking a, dude. They're milk caps that you play a game with, and you slam the milk cap down in the stack, and they flip over. If they flip over, you win them. It's basically gambling for children. <laughs> <laughs> uh, became a hot thing. I wonder if I, my mom still has my pogs. <laughs> I love this, dude. Oh my god! Like we can play some pogs later. Dude. Okay, yeah, dude. Okay, uh, so here right. clicks some pogs. Yeah, uh, poggers is different. It's uh, different. Yes. So yeah, I like that. I like I like organization. I need to know where I, I want to know where I'm going to find a thing if I want to go in there. Absolutely. I know where the D and D books are and the minis and the whatever yeah. mm-hmm. comics and whatnot. Um, I want my game store. I want to sometimes be surprised if that's a weird thing. So this goes into how they choose to invest in their inventory. And you obviously are going to have the the heavy hitters in the, in the nerd community. So you're going to have, you know, carry magic, you're going to carry D and D you're going to carry board games. You're going to carry Warhammer, blah, blah, blah. But like, I want occasionally be like, Oh, this weird new um, third party, uh, supplement book for D&D came out or maybe it was on a Kickstarter for a while and we actually backed 5 or 10 or the retail tier or whatever and you can't just easily get it, right? Yes. There's something about exclusivity and things, something about like, oh yeah, we have a big contingent of, of Warhammer players. We picked up, uh, we're going to bring in some some Conquest starter boxes and see what people think, whatever, and, and do a learn-to-play night or whatever. I want to be um, sometimes surprised because I know that, like, I'm going to come back more often if I don't know it's going to exactly be there. If I close my eyes, I can think of what's in the store. Okay. You know? Okay. So I want, I want, I want that element of surprise. If you, and if you hide uh, fire <laughs> shots of fireballs <laughs> in your game store, I'll be there every day until I find them all. Are you a standing gamer or a sitting gamer? Because mm. I am definitely a sitting gamer. Like whenever you play at my local story, just Sigmar is always standing. Yeah, um, that's, I think that's normal. I think that makes the most sense too, because you're often moving around a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But it also is like it creates a different energy for a game. 
You know, if like if we're just like sitting down, chilling, playing a game of Warcry, sitting down, that's a different game than standing for three hours to play a game of Age of Sigmar. At a certain point, like you, I almost have this like anxious energy or whatever. Like it affects my mind. I had never thought about that. Yeah, like it's it's a different. I don't know. It's something about. Plus, you're usually on fairly hard ground or whatever for a long period of time. So you kind of like you move. You want your yes, yes. your feet get sore as fuck just standing in one spot. And so like something about that energy, like that movement, my brain probably doesn't function well. Yeah. Um, so what I was going to say is I want my board game store, my local game store to have uh, tables to play at that are six by four in size to accommodate. That's big enough to accommodate every game that I could ever imagine wanting to play. Yeah. Um, and also chairs to sit in. Um, yeah. Because I, I will always pop one out. You can have them in a stack in the corner. I don't care. I'll go grab one and sit down. Cause I love sitting and chilling and, and playing a miniature war game. Yeah. I, I, I firmly believe that, uh, that a store that encourages people to spend time there it will only lead to more success in your store. Oh, like comfort and stuff like that? Well, just like the t- we know we show up on a Tuesday, there's going to be tables open. Maybe they're a cool table, something you don't have at home. Um, store, maybe it's like they have a bunch of different snacks or drinks or you know, maybe even a, some kind of, you know, you can buy a frozen pizza and they, they throw it in the frozen pizza oven or whatever like i honestly there was a sorry we played a tournament at for song of ice and fire that had frozen stuff and a microwave so you could like eat like a hot pocket and i was like hot I'd, pocket i'd never seen that before i was like you know if i was a fucking 16 year old i'd have been all over that yes uh I, that was like my fucking diet when i was like in college and high school um so that i, I love that idea yeah Oh, because too, it's like you can actually make a decent profit margin and still sell that stuff pretty cheap. So like people feel like I spent a it's a dollar for a hot pocket or a dollar fifty or whatever, and when they sell their box of two hot pockets, the store still made a dollar fifty. Like it's kind of a win win. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because everyone really appreciates it, and you make a little bit of money. So yeah, yeah this is all about making your first million dollars on hot pockets. <laughs> It's all you need to know, baby. And get that hot pocket richness. <laughs> yeah. Um I think I think being able to have a big uh, a nice play space is is good. That's pretty much it for me. Yeah. Pretty yeah, pretty much it. I was I, when John brought this topic up to me, I was like I'm a I'm a picky bitch about like hobby stuff, so I'm going to be pretty pretty good at this. But then we kind of took it in a different direction. But like if you want to take it in more of like a hobby direction, like I need like a desk height that is, I don't know what the specific height is, but it needs to be the right height such that I can lean my hands on the edge and have a straight back and have my face like three inches away from the model. And your feet flat on the floor, right? Yep. Yeah. All, all those things. I don't know what height that is, but that's, that's what needs to happen. And I need my chair to have arms so I can put my arm, elbows on the arms, lean on the table, and then my face is like, is like right there. I don't got. I don't got to fucking bend at all. I think you need to sit at at mine. Now, a big part of this is because each of us will vary in our size, yeah, and shapes or whatever. Well. Um, but having an, a a high quality adjustable chair that helps. So you sit down and then you like psh, you go up just a little bit till it's right there. So yeah. your elbows are in that. You create that perfect, the perfect V. You yeah. create the mm. triangle of power. Triangle of power, right, right there for you. Um. The answer is thirty six inches. Is that what it is? Yeah, thirty six. I, w- I watched your fucking thirty six y- inch video. cabinet height. That's how tall they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. I watched your video with your little chair. You're like, oh, I can edit, and now I can paint. Yeah, somebody. Uh, 
Goblin Green. You know who Goblin Green is? The guy on Instagram that paints like super awesome, like retro uh, Warhammer. He was on um, Midwinter Minis video once. I think he might have sent me some stickers, but I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. He reached out to me on Instagram after that video, and he's like, he's like, dude, I have the same chair as you. You need the, the headrest. And I was like, what? He's like, special add-on headrest? And he's like, sends me pictures of his headrest. And he looks fucking primo headrest, dude. <laughs> it's like a cockpit head, headrest. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even, I'm like, okay, damn it. Uh, I guess I know what I'm going to ask for for Christmas now, like a $300 headrest. Oh, God, I, don't know, dude. I don't know how much it costs, but if it's Herman Miller, it ain't going to be cheap. No, it ain't. Dude, when I bought that chair- they send me, um, you know, you get like, like mag, like the little like mail order magazines in the mail for like uh, LL Bean yeah, and like the yeah. you get Uline sends them Uline, yeah. all those ones. Like they have one. Herman Miller has one. They send out like quarterly, and it's I feel like <clears throat> very few times in my life have I actually like felt like I've made it, <laughs> like like I'm a successful, well-to-do person. When that fucking thing hits the mail, they like. We know who you are, that you bought this expensive-ass chair. We assume you have three Mercedes in the fucking garage. <laughs> and that thing is like, I swear to God, the paper is made of, like, silk paper. Yeah, of fucking gold. velvet. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, look at all these luxuries you could get from us. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, and I slipped through it, and I didn't recycle it. <laughs> yeah. It's like a pen that costs $300. Yeah, I can't I can't afford any of your stuff, Herman Miller. Never trust a, never trust a place with just two last names. <laughs> Unless it was, yeah, because it's Pee Wee Herman. I assume Herman Miller, the Herman is Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. I assume that. Yeah, he went right from making that movie to uh, just designing fucking luxury office chairs. Like, who's 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 the Miller? What's that? Who's that comedian dude that did a late night show? Anyway, I'm not going to remember it. We could say Reggie Miller, formerly of the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> <laughs> Pee Wee Herman and Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. See, I know that person because I just finished watching... The Michael Jordan Netflix documentary, uh, and Reggie Miller plays a role in Michael Jordan's like history. Yes, he does. Um, Reggie Miller is a better shooter than Michael, than Michael Jordan. At, yeah, at one point, yeah, he was like he was like the next big thing. Yes, Michael Jordan is an amazing fucking human being. It, I haven't watched that yet. I, it's I, incredible. I think he's kind of a giant. Isn't he kind of like a giant douche? But I don't mean that in like. I, he's just so competitive about everything that he comes across as being. That was this thing, yeah. He was like, if, if at any moment he felt like anyone doubted that he was the best person in the game, he was like, stop. And he would play better and it would just crush anyone. So like he'd play a series, lose a game, and then come back and win the next three. Because he was like, I, I, need, I need everyone to know for a fucking fact that I am the best. It's like when he went into a game and like there was like talk on the radio of like this particular player being like the possible next MVP. Yeah. He would play especially hard to prove that he was better than that person. And it's like anything set him off. And I was the thing is, yeah, he might have been an asshole to his teammates. He might have pushed them like an inappropriate amount. But goddamn, he had the skill to back it up. Yeah. And I appreciate the fucking hell out of that. Well, and I think it was more like the drive and passion, right? Because yes. there are a lot of people that are as talented as Michael Jordan, but no one had like that inner thing where it was just like, and yes, it had, there was uh, like ripple effects off yeah. of that being who you are. Yeah. And that's how he was with everything too. It wasn't just basketball, but it was especially with basketball. Yeah. But um, 
And that's how people were like, he was just kind of a, could be tough to be around. If yes. he was in that mindset, if they were like, uh, this is why he had a gambling addiction too. He's like, I should win. Ah. Yeah. He always wanted to win. He wanted to beat everyone all the time. Yeah. Um, and everything. It was, I mean, I, that show was great. I recommend it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to watch it. Michael Jordan's my, my favorite person now in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, but you know what he didn't win at? He didn't win at making amazing chairs like PB Herman and Reggie Miller. <laughs> That's what we're talking about in this week's podcast. Okay, so um, Dan's asking if we want campus canes. It's a good thing to talk about in the middle of the podcast. Campus canes? Campus canes. Is that where we meeting at for lunch? Oh yeah, that's normal. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, what else do you need in your? What else do you need in your hobby space? I. Uh, yeah, I like. I mean, I need a wet palette. That's, okay, that's that's close, like close to the edge. I need a paper towel that's moistened in between the wet palette and the edge. It's got to be folded in half one time. One time, I need a little bit of thickness. What, like a single ply isn't enough. No, not enough. It needs to be a little bit damp. Yep. Um, the wet palette needs to have sitting Wait. water in it. Wait, you need your paper towel to be damp? Yeah. I dry paper towel is miserable. Really? Yeah, because it just doesn't. A wet paper towel just takes the moisture out of my brush so much better than a dry one does. Oh, but it doesn't just like suck it out. Well, no, it does. I want it to do that. Yeah, the water sucks it out better. The it water assists. sucks it out better, but it also doesn't dry out. Maybe like the tip of your brush. Yes, it basically is like kind of like my mouth. Fuck! I. Oh my god! This is I never thought about that. This is why I love the way that I set up a wet palette where I clean off the palette of the water droplets with a paper towel, and then you put it on the paper towel, and then I take that towel, fold it in half, and put it in front of my palette, and now it's wet. Bro, you guys don't even know what you're experiencing right now. This is such key information that I didn't know happened. I'm so excited to go home and paint right now. Oh, I'm gonna try to, this for the first time. I need a cup that's low in height. Because I don't want to fucking reach up and go no. down. I want to see the water level yep. from where I'm fucking sitting and be able to get in there and not move around at all. It needs to have some girth, though. Yes. Yes. Some girth. Yes. Like, like, a, like a wider diameter. Yes. That's what I meant. Okay. Some girth. <laughs> we need some girth. And it, I don't want a high one. I use a high one all the time, but I fucking hate it. Bro, you know what the key is. You need that Tostitos salsa jar, bro. <laughs> that's girthy, not too tall, and it's clear glass. Yeah. Yeah. One of my ideas for my hobby desk at home, and I bought the things already, was to surface mount cups on my desk with lids so I can put lids on them when they're not being used. But this way, it's just fucking right there. I can just fucking slide in. I'm just fucking... You know, all this sound, it sounds good until... It's unproven. Until anything gets fucking knocked in there. I got the lids, bro. I got the lids. You don't have the lids on in the midst of painting. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see if there's any travesties. I mean, all I know is all it would take was one time of accidentally, uh, all it would take was a paint bottle that like didn't have a lid on. I accidentally dump it in there and that thing like goes head down like bloop, 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 bloop. Yes, the water down there is now a little bit, you know, yellow, but that thing is now the whole balance of that bottle of paint with being sunk in water is in question. Hold on. If you knock over a paint pot, the paint that comes out of it's fucking useless. I'm talking about that that water that gets seeped up into the paint through the nipple. Maybe maybe there'll be some kind of a what? Yeah, they gonna fucking happen. We talking about? I feel like you ruined it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll fucking see. <laughs> 
We're going to test this at VincyCon late one night after I'm done Easter egg hunting for Fireball. <laughs> for Fireball, yeah. Oh, man. I need a air compressor with a, with a pressure valve that I can see from my seating area. I don't want to reach it down. I don't want to look for anything. I want to be in front of my goddamn face. Mm. Uh, that's about it. Those are all my needs. Oh, I need I need two light sources, not one. I need two left and right side of my face. Yeah. Um. I mean, or like if there's a giant band of light that that, that counts that works coming too. Yeah, yeah. multiple angles. Absolutely, that works too. I mostly find my because that big one that I use those um IntelliTech ones they're like wide enough that's the same thing effectively yeah yeah. um yeah just not like like the one little yeah one little light you're right you're right you're right um i need a piece so fucking bad dude why don't you go i'll talk about the things i need the water the pee is building up in my eyeballs okay Okay. um i'm gonna say the things that i need for my painting station and then we're gonna have finished up this topic okay okay god that horio cakester was shit (laughs) Oh man! However much an Oreo cakester costs, it's too much money. Do yourself a favor, because I assume they're in the same area of the store. You go down, you go to the right, you find the little Debbie section. Buy yourself a little Debbie nutty buddy. Okay, everyone needs a buddy. Might as well be nutty. Get that nutty buddy, and you're gonna thank me. Nutty buddy, way better, way better than Oreo cakester. Okay, things that I must have as a rider for a painting station. Okay, so let's just, let's say I'm coming over to Scott's house or going to Vincy's house. So as I go to Vincy's house and I'm painting for like three, four days straight, um, what do I need there? Um, most of the things Scott said, we actually don't get there. We have access to it into like Vince's whole painting cavern. Um, so having access to a good airbrush station, um, and you know that kind of stuff but um to me i actually can paint with a lot less as long as um it two one of two criteria are met one i'm painting with friends or i'm painting with other people um that could be as part of a painting class or as part of just hanging out and painting with friends i've gone and painted in Sexy Teeth Joshi's basement, where the lighting is not great. He has improved it for this reason, to have group painting hangouts, um, where you just don't have access to all the things you need. You literally have a chair. It's not a bad chair at all. It has a table. The height's not probably not perfect. doesn't matter. If you're hanging out and painting with friends, um, I don't need much. Um, I just make sure I have a paper towel. I have my wet palette. I got one good brush. I know that this brush, if I need it to do... 90% or 100% of what it takes for me to paint a mini, I can do that. So I want one good sable hair brush. I also always want to have a triple zero brush or a, or at least a zero brush. I want a small brush. I love painting with sable hair tiny brushes now, which is why painting a big thing like this Demon Prince was um, was a little bit of a, a arduous task. Um, but besides that, most enough of a selection of paints where I feel like I can get creative with the paints. That I, that I have with. So if I'm painting with friends or I'm painting at a class, the thing with like painting at a painting class, I don't need everything possible as long as it's clear what the teacher um, asked me that uh, to bring um, because I'm only going to be there for two hours or four hours or whatever, 
for six hours. You know, I know it's a finite amount of time. And so my focus should not be on me being 100% in my comfort zone and how I usually paint. It should be about really absorbing, listening, trying to implement, asking for feedback and maximizing my time there and not worrying about the, the small details that will, um, would be like how I usually am at home. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to make a major difference, um, for me there. And my own painting setup at home, um, I think in a couple of videos I've, I've talked about this. You can check those out on my channel um, to see why I have what I have. Um, to me, a, a big thing is um, not hunching over. Um, and so that's why I, I paint at a higher height. Um, so I can still get the, you get the Holy Trinity. Um, you get the Pyramid of Power. Um, you get the Triforce. You know, that is that is it. That is elbows on the armrests, forearms on the counter lip, and then hands together with model. That is the Triforce. Sure. Um, and so I, I was just going to reply and talk to you about the things you missed, but like they already, <laughs> no, they don't, already don't, heard it. Don't so do that. They, they don't care anyway. So <laughs> I talked about Nutty Buddies being far superior. Oh, to Nutty Buddies. Dude, bro, you like some Nutty Buddies? Yeah. Peanut butter and chocolate is a fucking oh. sacred matrimony. Goddamn dude. wafers in there, too. Dude, just you bring it all together. Crunch, dude. Oh. Nutty buddies. Okay, that's it. That are those are our writers for what is necessary when we uh, play at Fenway Park to fifty thousand screaming uh, Bruce Springsteen fans. <laughs> when we attend a painting class, um, what we need in a game store, and then just general must-haves for uh, just being a mini painter. Yeah, shout out to JP Mager for the topic. We appreciate it, Mager. Mager. John, what's better than awesome, realistic terrain? Oreos. No. Uh, well, yes. God damn it, John. Can you just do the bit, please? Oh, no, Scott. I don't know what's better than amazing, realistic terrain. How about cheap, realistic terrain? Yeah, you're right. That is better. <laughs> and that's exactly what today's sponsor, Mantic Games, and their new Kickstarter, Terrain Crate 3, is all about. Terrain Crate 3 consists of two separate crate options, one full of stunning jungle and fungal flora and one crammed with sci-fi scatter and walls that not only look great, but stop those arguments about being whether or not you're inside a piece of terrain. But how am I going to cheat my way into victory without claiming that I'm always in cover? Well, you don't have to worry about cheating, Scott, because everyone that backs this Kickstarter is a winner. Oh, okay. Much of the terrain included in these crates is modular and designed with a universal fitting, meaning you can set up the board just the way you want, and every game can be different. And not just the buildings are composed of interchangeable pieces, but even the trees are comprised of three separate parts that can be mixed and matched however you like. And all the train pieces have been thoroughly tested to be the most durable on the market. The Mantic team has not been able to break a piece yet. You can also pick up gaming mats in a variety of sizes that match perfectly with this terrain that's in these two crates. A big thank you to Mantic Games for sponsoring this portion of today's episode. If you want to check out their campaign, it's linked down in the show notes and description below. Now to the news. Welcome to the news. This is the news part of the show, and this is the new news song. Can we? I'm going to not look at anything that James wrote okay, and just say... Fuck yes, Eric Swinson taking best in show at Montesantino. Woo! I know this is not what MSS is about, but USA bringing home the fucking gold, baby! America! Fuck yeah! <laughs> Anyways, 
Here I watched comes, uh I watched Eric Swenson wins a motherfucking day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a Roman's video about that MSS and he asked a bunch of people or whoever was interviewing someone asked a bunch of people what their favorite part about that event was. And every single person, one part of their answer was the community. People that were just, you know, that were there and enjoying the time. And it just makes me want to go so badly and just experience that like fucking just like like deep diving, miniature painting, crunchy culture, and that inviting warm culture, and also be in fucking Italy and eat Italian food. Mm, yeah, I'm I'm most looking forward to gaining six pounds in <laughs> four days. Um, how many people? Do you know how many people attend MSS? I would like, guess I think that's maybe a part of it because there's like fifty guys there. I don't know how. Yeah, I would think like two hundred to four hundred, like somewhere in there, like max. But then there's also like it's, I mean, it's a split. Because it's all the historical people. Yeah. And then there's all what they call fantasy, which is all of what we do. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I maybe I'm completely wrong. If you've attended uh, Monte San Savino, and maybe even just this last one, um, let us know. Um, do though, is there much intermingling? It feels like there, it's a fairly sizable gap there. And so then, then we're just talking about half the field, roughly, which is, which is kind of the mini painters as, as we look at it. Um, how big is that group? It's probably still five hundred people. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know either. I have I no know. idea. My okay. I, I'm gonna uh, be a little bit um, rip open a vein here a little bit on this. Um, first of all, Eric, who's really really nice guy and amazing miniature painter and a good painting teacher. I feel great for him. I also watched an interview um, of him that he painted that piece like two weeks prior to Monty. He took off. He's like he put everything else on hold, and he said he painted like fourteen hours a day for two straight. Okay, days and to get it done, and he's had that piece since twenty. Um, was sculpted, and he's had it on his shelf since twenty twenty. What is that? Is that, is that like one hundred and sixty hours? Like a hundred and some? That's a, that's that's still kind of impressive. Yeah, it's still uh, yeah. But anyway, um, to rip open a vein here, my only hesitation with Monty, um. I feel like totally like an outsider there. Like I don't feel like I'm part of the the people that are and not that they're bad people. And the people I talked to obviously like I saw, you know, um um Uncle Ben was there. For Abby, obviously, Roman, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, Eric yeah. Swinson. Yeah. Fabrizio Russo, um, a lot little, a lot of people that you are familiar with, for little, sure. Little Benny Hanna. Benny Hanna. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So uh, I so Anthony you know, Wang. people that are good good good, good people. Not goody peepees, but good people. Although Benny Hanna I think is a goody peepee. Uh he listens to the podcast. So um I just feel like uh I'm I'm not like this like Oh, it's the art and it's everything. It's in the soul. You do ad spots. You're going to die. Fucking hell, Satan, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm uh, I'm not that there is. A little too serious. It's Well, like, I feel like there is some some angst against, like, people that do this in, like, what we do versus people that are like, I am an artist. I do box arts. I do this, that, the other. This is all about the whatever. And I don't want that to be the case, but sometimes I feel like insecure. They're like, oh, well, you know, there's look at you as a paint a little thing on the video. Oh, you made a little video. Oh, okay. I'm not saying that they talk like Luigi, but I mean, <laughs> just 
anybody there, wherever they're from. Anyway, that's just how I feel. And it makes me nervous. I want to go. But they're going to be like, oh, you just go over, sit over there. Little boy, sit over there. Honestly, yeah. No, I, I feel you. I, like, I've always wanted to belong to that group of people who are like display painters and, and shit like that. And, um, and I, I never since I like chose like YouTube as like a pursuit. Yes. I've never felt like I belonged there. Um, but uh, I was watching that video that Roman made and there was a guy who was who had a southern accent. So he's from America and I've seen him at Depticon a million times. But I don't know his name. Um, and he was like, what do you like about Monty? And he was like, I love the community. When I, when I first got here, I was concerned about the skill gap and I would scared that I, I wouldn't feel like I belonged, but we, there was an opening ceremony and they just totally like dissolved all my fears and made me feel like I was part of like the group. And I was like, that is cool. so fucking awesome. Um, that is awesome. And the other thing was I went to Adepticon for that. We had, we missed it for, did we miss, we missed it for two years, two years. And when, I, when we went for that first time after that COVID break, I remember I, I wrote in my little, everyone knows, just like a little roundup, right, about a con after they go to it. Mm. And in my little roundup, I wrote, man, like spending time with humans just reminds you that, I don't know, like I, all the negative thoughts you have about them are often just not true. So like your insecurity about like them thinking that, you know, you don't belong, you don't fit in, maybe if if we went and like experienced time with them, that would, that would just kind of just melt away. Cause I feel like when we, when we sit in isolation, we tend to just become worse versions of ourselves. Yeah. Oh, and I, to clarify, thank you for saying that too. When I said that I didn't feel like anyone, anyone particular yeah. is making me feel like I don't belong. Yeah, yeah. 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 I put that on myself. Yeah, I know. I get it. Um, and that of hearing nothing but good things. And also all these, many of those painters, we see at Adepticon and stuff too. Yeah. So it's not like there are people who are just, you know, anything. Um, but yeah, I totally get that. Not feeling like I belong there either. Cause I'm not like a hundred percent focused on miniature painting as an art form, but I'm also focused on these other things and there's like a business element to it and all this, stu- and all this stuff. But, uh, I mean, if you think about it, like for Robbie who owns and operates Chimera, you know, he kind of turned his hobby into like a, a business thing too. And he's trying to make his way through it, make money and stuff. And he runs MSS. So that's kind of a business thing as well. Sure. I don't know. Um, but yeah, shout out to Eric Swinson. Congratulations. Fucking awesome. And everybody that went. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I just, some of the pictures I see and just phenomenal. Some beautiful, beautiful work. It's very inspiring. I would like to like just think how cool it is just walk through and, and yeah, see the, all the setup awesome. is so fucking wonderful. It's this yeah. tiered setup. There's no glass lights across all the things. So you can get real close to all the entries. Real, real cool. Yes. It's real cool. All uh, right. We have other news. Um, we're going to kind of just go through it a, stuff quickly um vallejo did announce uh, like official i don't know if they have an official release date but it probably is out there i'm sorry if i don't have this that the new game color range and then their express color which first of all express is like a teenage girl's clothing store in the mall um so that's funny so that, <laughs> that they, at least it was i don't know if that store is still around they uh, are they are express so whenever you hear vallejo express colors just assume that it's teenage girl clothing it's a way funnier product that way <laughs> um yeah express is their their contrast paint um game colors apparently is is basically new branding <laughs> and it says here in the notes and it has a reduced environmental impact and now includes base shadow and light color groupings i there's a box as you walked into the office to the right that's got a bunch of vallejo tape on it i think it has all of these colors in it I haven't opened it yet. Um, Must be nice. 
I mean, you get a, you get a bunch of free shit from fucking GW, bro. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's not paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fucking love paint. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, this okay. is a cool one, actually. If if you are uh, a game designer, weird, the company responsible for Malifaux into the breach, sorry, through the breach, um, they're looking for game designers. Cool. Um, so if you got a resume, you have an interest, I will have the link to their like uh, uh, application down below. Uh, another one, it is the holiday season. That means that GW has this big pitch for their holiday battle boxes. Mm. Um, and then I watched a couple videos on Honest Wargamer and on Warhammer Weekly and kind of breaking down like the contents and the value and how useful they'd be in the um, uh, like in the meta right now. Oh, like, are, are, they good, are they good? Are they actually good units in here? And like shit ones and are they useful in a bunch of different lists. Um, and so that's that's a good those are, those are valuable metrics. Yeah, so it's really fun. So you can check out the which would be a couple weeks ago the Warhammer Weekly where they did the Ogre Battle Tomb review. They talked about this then is great. And then I think on YouTube you can check Honest Wargamer. I believe it's in the title of that one. Just kind of go back a little bit through his recent videos, and you'll find um, the, that if you wanted to see if this is something that's good, a uh, good value for you. Some of them are, some of them aren't. So yeah. Okay. Uh, Catalyst Games Labs, who's responsible for Battletech, announced that they'll launch a new Battletech in March 23rd at Adepticon. Um, it's called Mercenaries, and it's going to launch on Kickstarter. That all seems like good news, but uh, our writers got some choice words to share with, with them. All right. Let's, see what go- let's hear what uh, writer Goblin James has to say. I enjoy Battletech as much as the next schmuck, but what? Announcing a Kickstarter five months ahead of time counts as an update? piss off and what's this adepticon announcement gimmick is that what makes this a big deal it made me so angry and confused that i had to rant about it somewhere so I, what he's saying is like you already have to wait so fucking long for a kickstarter to run its course yeah. and then fulfill and now we are announcing it five months ahead of time and you're making it seem special because it's launching virtually at an event um, at a physical event, a physical. <laughs> I know, right? It's like it's like our game launch. It's like, oh, sick! Can I buy it? Like you can no! go back in on Kickstarter. Uh, that feels a little lame. I, I I understand the criticism a lot. I'm guessing, and here's the side of it that I get would be if they had demos of that game, and you can look at it, you can play demos and stuff at Adepticon, and then you're like, this was really cool. I guess if it's not out yet, the next best thing is Kickstarter's live right now. You could go pre-order it. So. I kind of get that value, but in the grand scheme of things, hitting a couple thousand people <laughs> yeah. at the event, or maybe you get a lot of hype from it and people taking pictures and stuff, is probably worth it. Yeah, yeah. Going to yeah. do it if you're going to now if you're going to launch it around that time anyway. What the hey hey? Yeah, but we'll we'll see this game uh, after this five month pre announcement in two years. <laughs> so yeah, I feel bad. Um, I don't know. If there's anything else here that jumps out across, out across at me, those aren't words that go together. Uh, there's a new uh, Cadia. Uh, so the Imperial Guard box is like they're for the first time in like forever. They're actually coming out with new Imperial Guard models. Ah, uh, yes. Good old human boys. Human boys. Um, I really like the look of just the standard troops. They're all updated. They look like real, like realistic action-y poses, some badass stuff. Um but some of the other like traditional Cadian troops, like their big dumbass ATAT walkers, um, just look silly as fuck to me. Yeah. It looks like a porta potty with legs <laughs> on. Um, but um, 
that's cool. Maybe they'll come out with more cool stuff, more cool uh, updated. I bet their updated tanks are going to be sweet, though, because they had some cool old tanks. Yeah. So. On a more indie note, Moonstone got some new models, and I'm looking at Eric the Enlightened right now on his big-ass antler. He's got some big wood elf energy, which I am always uh, here for those guys. Dude, Arandir uh, from fucking Rings of Power, that guy's fucking badass. Yeah? I like that guy a lot. Yeah? Yeah. Which one is he? <laughs> he's the, he's the, um, the elf that, like has a relationship with Bronwyn. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, honestly, there's a lot of people with the name starts with A. Yes. Uh, I was like, I was like uh, okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, you were like, I was just thinking of elven characters, which one you think is badass. So then I was like, yeah, it has to be him. Yeah, I don't remember the, his the name. The rest are kind of fucking stupid. They all, all their names kind of sound like Arionarionara. Yeah. yeah. Also, like, hold on, a question. Wait, I can't spoil anything. Never mind. Anyways, I think that's all for the news. Welcome to the, end of the podcast. This is the end of the podcast where we end the podcast. Normally I scream. Yeah, you I did not see that coming. I cannot scream right oh, now. You're so full of cakesters. You got no scream in you. <laughs> dude, the cakesters are clogging me up, dude. Oh, yeah. You're going to shoot out like a torpedo one of these one of these minutes. Next time you come back, John's going to be a cakester engineer, dude. Yeah, dude, I'm going to know how they're built <laughs> inside and out. Dude, built cakester tough. Yeah. They're like they do. They're like crappy macaroons. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. Um. So, Scott, the holiday season is upon us, is. and if I was somebody that wanted to support the podcast and give us a Christmas present, I would probably do that on Patreon, wouldn't I? Yeah. Buy a little Jimmy a patron, <laughs> a patronage to our podcast. Right, your nephew just gets a a, a card that says "Congratulations." You're goody peepee. Little Jimmy's like. What's that, mommy? <laughs> you get access to the after party. It's like a, it was like a week old tendy wrapped up in there. It's like all <laughs> greasy and shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, if you want to support our podcast because you enjoy listening to us talk at you relentlessly, mm. uh, there are many ways to do it, both free and not free. Some free ways are you can watch our videos whitelisted and with some various browser add-ons. We run an ad every thirty minutes. Uh, you can tell your nerd friends about our podcast. You can uh, give us a rating on Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify. Um, you can also give us your dollars if you have access or you want to support the podcast so you can see more of this ridiculous content by becoming a patron. Mm. Uh, we uh, do extended episodes for our patrons where we talk about new models that we have like experimented on and learned things on. Uh, models other people have been paid that we enjoy and we also give feedback to one of our patrons so as a patron you can submit models for feedback and you can also submit topics like JG Mager 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 did today for this episode so yeah you can also buy our merch we got some awesome hoodies sweaters t-shirts leggings with I think three designs now we have the Tendi meat and potato one we have the Tendy destroyer, two fucking Tendy ones. We have the Tendy destroyer one, and they have the classic logo on various yeah, pieces of clothing. You want them yoga pants? Yeah, dude. You want them? Yeah, you know, do you want them Tendy yoga pants? Yeah, dude. A little, do a little hot yoga with your Listen, Tendy destroyer pants. Yeah, if your significant other is the type that does yoga or works out and they wear the yoga pants, what better holiday gift for them? Yeah, than a, than some tough yoga pants, and they'd be like, "What is this?" And they're like. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah, you, you'll like it. You're, You're also a goody pee-pee. We appreciate all y'all. Uh, if you are celebrating Thanksgiving in the United States of America, have a great turkey day. It's probably behind you right now, but I hope you had a great turkey day. I hope you ate until you sweat. Um, 
And uh, later on, there's going to be Boxing Day. There's going to be Hanukkah. There's going to be Christmas. There's going to be Kwanzaa. We are at two of the true holiday season, as we know in Minnesota, because it's now fucking snowing everywhere. That means it's holiday season. So you all take care of yourselves. Watch out for deer. And uh, we'll catch you on the flippity flop.